You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show where we help you as a business owner or business leader find better ways to have more influence and get more results. Today, I'm going to take maybe what might be a little bit of a detour, but it's an exploratory trip, a discovery trip that we're going to make. And my question to you, the listener, have you ever thought about writing a book? Have you ever thought about, you know, putting something together and uh, getting it out there as a story or a message? My guest today is going to help us understand the value and the power and maybe the process for getting that done. Her name is Nancy Erickson. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Doug. I've been looking forward to this. As have I. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And uh, give us a little bit of your background. I always like to ask my guests to tell us a little bit about their journey to get to where they are and maybe what got them going down that path. Sure. Well, it's it's a checkered past. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, actually, um, I started my career in high tech. I was a systems engineer for IBM, and then I worked for Oracle Corporation. And about, it's been almost 18 or so years ago, um, my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And so we knew that he would only uh, live for about seven months, which is about what it was. And so I uh, quit everything. And uh, my parents, I live in Missouri and my parents were in Florida. And so I went down there to be with them and to help them through that time and to stay with my mom for a little bit after my dad passed away. So when I came home, it was kind of like, you know, when do we ever have like a completely blank calendar? Like never, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then I was like, I can do anything I want now. (laughs) And um, so I had always loved writing. I had had some things published when I was younger and I decided, I thought, well, that's what I really want to do. And I was in a um, financial position that I had a little bit of relief because my kids had were out of college, you know, and you know what that's like. <laughs> it's like you get a huge raise when they graduate. Yeah. So um, I thought I ought to just brush up on my writing skills. So I ended up going back to school and got a master's of fine arts in writing. And then... I think it's because I was an older student and kind of knew what I was doing. They asked me to join the faculty when I graduated to teach. And so I was teaching writing and I also wanted to start a uh, nonfiction publishing house. My really skills and desires and strengths were all in nonfiction. And so um, I don't know what made me think I could just start a publishing house because there's, as it turns out, there's a lot to it. Um, But the first book that we published was written by a Holocaust survivor who had gone to school with Anne Frank. And we ended up doing that book release at their school in Amsterdam. And it was really cool because the only two things that were still there in modern day that were there in the 40s during the Nazi occupation was this school. And then across the street was the bookstore. So they had a beautiful ceremony at their school for the 170 students that the Nazis had murdered. 
And then we went across the street to do, to do the book release. So that was, that was a very, it was an amazing experience. That's amazing. After that, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it was amazing. And then the next book we published, we got back cover endorsements from Sir Paul McCartney and Cindy Crawford, you know, the supermodel. And I was kind of like, wow, I'm just doing great. I know my way around here. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I had a big problem. And the problem was, is that our publishing house is focused on publishing material that will either save lives, change lives, or transform society. And we were getting a lot of books with that kind of a message, but they were so poorly written that we couldn't do anything with it. We couldn't edit our way out of these manuscripts. And yet I still carried that with me. I thought, you know, just because someone does can't write, does that mean they shouldn't be an author? And in normal cases, the answer would be yes. <laughs> if you can't write, you can't be an author. But I took a step back um, for a year and I wrote a step-by-step-by-step process, Doug, that takes the person all the way just from their idea, all the way through planning out their book, writing the drafts, editing it and publishing it and distributing it worldwide, you know, um, around the market so other people can find it. So it was, um, it was kind of like, how did I get into it? It's it's sideways. (laughs) I don't know if your audience is, can see the video, but this is one wall behind me. I've got many walls in my office. They're all metal prints of book book covers that we've published. And so um, it is not just what I like to do. It's really my, my mission because, you know, there's a lot of problems in our world and it's really hard to name even what the problems are, much less the solutions. But I really believe that the answers to all of our problems are trapped inside people like you and like your audience. And that if you simply tell what you know, what you've learned, what you've gleaned, what you've overcome, how you've been victorious, then you become the source of two things that I think people can't live without. And those two things are hope and help. And so that is what we're doing. We are helping people who aren't writers to become published, professionally published authors of high impact nonfiction books. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, your point is a very valid one. I, I think for all the troubles in the world, you know, people can get overwhelmed by just turning on the news every day or, you know, opening their eyes and taking in what might be going on around them, whether it's in their community or even at work. And they do need that hope and that opportunity to to have a more positive message. And a lot of times hearing somebody else's story can really be that change point. They they can go, oh, wow, if they went through that, that's not near as bad as what I'm doing. So maybe I'm okay. Maybe I can I can get past this. And I think it's those kind of stories that are so important. But at the same time, I think the people that have those stories to tell get overwhelmed just at the thought of creating a book because maybe they weren't great 
writers in school, maybe they struggled with those composition assignments and it kind of turned them off or yeah. maybe they didn't like reading all that much. So, you know, associating with a book is, is not necessarily, but I don't, I would argue it's not even about the media so much, although, you know, you're an expert in book publishing, but I think it's the message. It's, it's yes. the way to get the story out there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and what you uh, the other thing that you said about people who did maybe didn't like reading or weren't good at writing and stuff. A, a lot of people feel uh, if they had learning disabilities, they feel kind of cut out from that, and that's just not the case at all. That's not. Um, I mean, we have a way to help people through their story, but you know, it's like we all go through things in life, and you know, it's kind of testing and resting and testing and resting all along the way. And I love the name of this podcast, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. <laughs> Aren't we craving common sense? I mean, you guys, it's weird out there, you know? And we need the voices of people who have a level head and have solutions. And you don't know everything, but you know your one thing. You know your one thing. And that's why we actually do a lot of business books. And um, those are um, people who have found a way to maybe jumpstart or to, or they went through a lot in the beginning and they would like to help people uh, sidestep those obstacles. And so we have books like that. But the other classification is kind of what I was uh, talking about earlier is the the uh the overcomer the person mm -hmm. who has been through right. things and come out victorious on the other end or at least still alive and breathing <laughs> right well you know the again i i, I do want to kind of lean in and 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 maybe walk through the the process that that you've developed the the one thing that i comes to my mind when i was first thinking about starting my first book uh i was i was following a, a mentor that was kind of an author and publisher and he was putting out a lot of good training things and one of the key things that he shared was the question where some people get balled up in in trying to get a manuscript put together choose whether you want to be the author or the writer and his point was people get stuck and he had his own personal experience doing this you start thinking about your story and you start putting it down but you immediately start critiquing the grammar and the punctuation and the word choices and you get stuck on the editing part and and that's the writer part i think and uh you're you're not really continuing the conscious stream of thought to be the author putting right. this yeah. this message out there. So his advice was turn off the writer brain and maybe even hire that out later, but you get the story down, you know, put, put your okay. ideas. Doug, that, that is really incredible advice because I have seen and worked with, with people who got caught up in, well, I wrote this and now I'm going to edit it. And I'm not, I'm like, no, don't look at it again. Just go, 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 go. We're going to get to a point where we look at everything again and we, you know, fluff it up and polish it and perfect it. But you're right. 
you have to get the story out. And so that that's all folded in with our process. So can I tell you a little bit about how we... Yeah, please do. That, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Let's go ahead and dive into the, the process you've created. So um, it's it's... It's chunked in a way that really busy people can do it. It's a very step by step by step by little step by little step until we get all the way finished. But we always start off with a series of foundational questions that are intended to help you crystallize your message. And so there are things like, you know, why are you even doing this? What's your motivation? Who is your audience? And and how will that audience be changed as a result of reading your message? And so there's 12 of these questions. And so we end up distilling those answers down into a purpose statement for your book. And that says the purpose of this book is to do this particular thing for this specific audience, period. You can't put everything you know in a book about, you know, but so we have to define what are the, you know, uh, what's the fenced in area that we're going to address in this book. And so the purpose statement helps you to prioritize what's in your book, but it also gives you your marching orders. Your job is now to deliver that audience to realize the purpose. So one of the things that, that I found that people have difficulty with is trying to plan a book in an outline. I mean, if that's what gets people that sick to their stomach school feeling and such. Yeah. You know, I mean, people just, gosh, don't box me in like that, you know? So we do plan out every aspect of your book before you start writing it, but it's in a process I developed called book mapping. And a book map is a visual representation of everything that's going to be in your book. Every story you're going to tell, every object lesson, every point you're going to make is all on these maps. And so the beauty of that, and there's going to be one for each chapter, but the beauty of that is that when you have these maps and you start to sit down to actually do the writing, there's no such thing as writer's block. Because writer's block is really just kind of sitting there and fiddling around and not thinking, yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. supposed to be doing, you know, it's wasted time. So this, this process that we take you through <clears throat> that precedes the writing is really a shortcut. So when we start off, there's actually two different types of these book maps and they are so cleverly titled book map one and book map two. <laughs> <laughs> but the first one is, is actually like your personal story. Um, it usually ends up serving as the introduction to your book because you need to tell people how you got to be where you are you know because you weren't always in this position so we have a little formula to help you tell your story but then um the bulk of the work is in book map two which is where we map out all your chapters and so Instead of doing it in the outline, like I said, what we do is we start in little steps. We construct your chapters in problem solution sets. And the first thing you do is name the problems, depending on what kind of book you had, name the problems that your audience is having or is likely to have or the problems that you had using yourself as an example. And then through a very story-driven methodology, you present your solutions. And so th this has worked so well for our writers. 
because they can they can they may know what they want to say but when you start trying to get it out if you don't have a structure you're going to get really tangled up and the beauty of the book map is that it helps you stay on target when you're writing your book but it's a logical flow that your readers can follow as well when they're reading so um at the end of the whole mapping process you're going to have one of these visual maps for every chapter in your book and you like i said earlier you will put everything in there that you're going to write very interesting you know and as as you're describing that I, i'm kind of thinking of my own method which i've discovered is something a few other coaches and leadership development kind of people have done for the books that they've written um what what i find and, and and i'll just share this as a thought when i want to try to publish something about one of the subject areas that i may deal with as an executive coach or a business advisor i don't really start with a master plan but rather i make it a habit to collect little daily nuggets i call them if if i'm in a coaching session and there's one little discussion we have that's a particularly powerful and and more universally true situation that could be a, a good message i'll i'll make a note of that and i i keep a file in a drawer of all these little inspirational thoughts and then periodically I'll pull that file out and I'll, I'll go through it. And if I'm feeling particularly creative and I've got, you know, time on my calendar, I sit down and, and just start crafting a, a couple of thoughts and pretty soon a, a paragraph turns into a chapter and then a chapter potentially turns into a book. And it it's another, another approach, I think, that... It helps avoid what you said that writer block idea you know just I, yeah. I can I can get how writer block would be present for somebody like uh, I don't know a mystery novelist that's trying to keep the string alive you know I, I think about some of the famous serial novelists that have like oh gosh yeah. you know <laughs> how they crank those things out I can only imagine the brain cramps they have they also have staff that do a lot of their writing so oh yeah yeah and uh but you know that's that's a whole different ball game you know from the the person that has not yet delved into that realm and made their first attempt at it well Doug, there's a lot of a lot of ways that you can approach you know writing a book um and they're valid if they end up in a book you know if they end up with you having written a book it's valid but what we, we've tried to design is something that people who have who have no idea what to do or how to even approach it are afraid of, you know, taking that step. So, um, yeah, so I, I mean, that that's worked for you. And I know that our method also works for people as well. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. This is a, you know, hot topic, popular discussion and uh, even debate among um academics where does ai fit into all of this <laughs> say that ai love it or hate it fear it or embrace it uh well none of us know where this is going right but i will tell you a couple things about ai I, i'll tell you how not to use it and how 
you can use it when you're writing your book. You do not use AI to write your book. Number one, it's it's not yours if you didn't write it. You can't publish and copyright it for one thing, but it also doesn't have you in it. You know, I mean, it's just that's totally cheating. You know, I used to teach at the university. I don't do that anymore because I'm busy with authors and stuff, but I don't know how they're handling that in the academic. Oh, I know. At all. I, I can I only no imagine. Idea. I have no idea. Um, let me tell you how I'm advising our clients to use it now, because remember, none of them are professional writers and I love writing tools. I love them. And I try to introduce anything I can to our authors to help it go faster. So AI in particular, um, I'm going to use one client in uh, as a as an example. He isn't a writer at all. In fact, he has the worst grammar of any person I know, and he knows it. I'm helping him with his third book now, so he we, we're just really good friends now. So he's not good at sitting down and writing stuff. So I tell him, I say, take your phone, go to the notes, hit the microphone, and tell your story. Now, take your story. That's your writing. Pop it into AI, ask it to edit it and make it a book chapter and see what comes out. And then I say, and then like at the bottom, and I'm talking about chat GPT. I think it can say try again or something like that. I said, refine. Yeah. Yeah. Do it three times and take those three and put them together. How you feel most comfortable. And that's, that's like, that's using AI as an editor, not an originator. Because number one, you can't write your book using AI because AI doesn't know your stories. I mean, you have to get it in there. So I see that as a really valid way of, of using AI. Um, and like I said, there's none of us know where this is going. It's a little, it's interesting. But I was also afraid of cloning when Dolly the Sheep got cloned, and I haven't seen any more of that either. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let me interject, if I may, on that subject, because uh, listeners may not have heard my other episode. I had a guest who was a world-renowned expert in AI. Oh, wow. And I asked him the question. I, I did, the way we started this, that show, it was a, I said, what the hell is AI? You know, and uh common sense kind of thinking, right? Um, and he he gave me what I thought was the best and most amazing answer I've heard anybody articulate. He said, you have to understand something. He said, the human brain has one primary strength, and that is when it comes to learning and cognitive thinking and all of that, it is a pattern recognition engine. And we train it to learn patterns. And even, even the way we recognize words when we're reading, it's about the pattern, the rise and fall of the letters. And we don't, we don't learn that in school per se, but that's how our brain translates it. That's why you can see some of these memes on social media where they've, they've replaced certain letters with numbers and, and other still, things, but you can still read it. And it's perfectly legible because your, your brain pattern recognition is counting that three as an E and, and moving on. And it doesn't get hung up on that. So anyway, 
He said what AI does, it does pattern recognition in multiples of millions compared to what your brain does. So to your point, as you feed AI a thought, it will take that thought and through its process of pattern recognition, it will add to that thought, you know, many, many more thoughts that your brain hasn't yet processed. And, and the reality is you might get there in your brain if you think long enough on the subject or on the topic, you might get there. But the power of AI is accelerating that process. And, and what I've found with AI is, just as you described, if I have a thought, if I put that in as a short paragraph into AI and I let it give me some expanded thinking about the idea, all of a sudden I'm finding myself going, well, sure, I believe that too. And now I can go take that part of the message, tweak it for my own voice, yeah. you know, put my own additional thoughts about the added thought. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden it starts expanding. Yeah, it's a tool, right? It's a, it's tool, a tool, right. And we can make use of it. I mean, I mean in, in this form, and um, I think it's, a great way to accelerate your writing or edit what you're you're putting together. Right, right, and it really can um, it, it accelerate that idea if if you're again feeling like you have an idea for a book, but you're feeling really stuck on where to go next and what to do with it. Um, I, I love your way of framing it to to dictate that idea into your phone and and yeah. just transcribe and feed that in and let it take off and see what you get. And the good news is if what you get back, you don't like, guess what? Hit the delete key. That's what it's for. <laughs> exactly. So what, uh, what is the timing of this process that you've got? If, if, if I were to roll in and say, Nancy, I want to write a book. Uh, what do we got to do? How, how, how long is our timeline to get through this? So it's going to take a year for you to write your book. And let me explain that. Like I said earlier, it's chunked in tiny little steps so that you can actually, so all, all of our clients are busy professionals. They've got jobs and families and many obligations. And so when you take on a large project that you actually want to be, that you want to be able to complete, you need to, make sure it's bite-sized enough so that week after week after week, you can attend to it and get it done. But there's something else at work here that I almost all the time see, and it's this. While you're working on your book, your book is working on you. And things start to come into your life and experience that, that either fill it out or need to be part of the book and all. And, you know, time takes time. And we're not, you know, you've seen things, I'm sure, write your book in 30 days or in 90 days or whatever, and I don't know what they do. They're also, I don't, whoever they is, are redefining the word book. They'll throw a PDF up on their website that's five pages, and here's my ebook. That's not a book. We're talking about, you know, obviously we do ebooks, but also the kind you can hold and read and that's professionally published. So it takes a year. And most of our, it's a funny, one of the guy, one of my clients, when I told him, he goes like a year and I was like, yeah. And he goes, 
why does it take so long? I said, well, how long do you think it should take? And he goes, well, I don't know. I have never done it before. I was like, yeah. well, what we found out is this. It, and then he was so funny because he didn't finish his for three years. So anyway, there's it. Okay. Like anything else, there's a little bit more to it than you maybe think there is when you get started or that you want there to be you know, while you're doing it. And we're talking about creating and crafting a high quality message that you're going to be really proud of and that will stand the test of time. I think the other thing, well, let me say it this way. I think there's a couple of schools of thought. People like myself who are trying to be thought leaders in different areas, they often view books mostly as a very expensive calling card. So they want to have them available. It's a, it's a badge of credibility. And I think even in today's world, that's still true. To say that you've published one, two, or three books or whatever is is just something. Maybe it, it's a mistake in the general public. I don't know. But nonetheless, it's there. And if you do happen to entertain the idea of going out and being a public speaker, you know, having the proverbial books at the back of the room is a, is a thing that a lot of people go for. But what, where I'm going is that's a whole block of thought that goes one way. And the other is the person that says, I want to put New York Times bestselling author on my resume. How do I get there? What do, what do I do for that? And so let me ask you that question. What for those that are thinking that what's what's the real answer to that? Well, maybe have your pen name be John Grisham, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I don't think that that is a worthy aspiration um, because when they talked earlier about how we define your audience and, and we we work with our authors on this, the beginning, what is success to you? And most of them want to be able to reach as many people in that audience as possible. And I, I guarantee you there's enough people there, but you're not going to quit your day job. Yeah. But yeah, not on your first book anyway. Um, I did want to say one thing too about there's another kind of, you know, they're not just redefining terms of book, but a bestseller. You probably see a lot of things on there about, oh, Number one international Amazon bestseller. I have uh, no regard for Amazon bestsellers in the least, and all. And it's kind of a it's a gamified thing where you know you have a you know somebody's usually helping you, but what you do is you reduce the cost of your book to a dollar ninety nine or a ninety nine cents. Even I've seen have everybody in the world that you've ever known buy it on that day, and then if you watch Amazon, if even for 10 seconds, it hits number one in its category, then you're a number one bestseller. Nobody ever talks about the next day, you know? And so I don't, I just, you know, I just think we need to be more authentic about things. I mean, that's really not a bestseller. I mean, I respect the New York Times. I respect the USA Today bestseller list, but you know what? You can pay 50 grand and be on the USA Today bestseller list. So what is it? The point is the impact that your book makes. How right. are you able to reach other people 
and help change, you know, their lives. Well, and uh, thank you for saying that because I I do think people get a little bit hung up on that. They they say, well, if if I'm going to do this, I, I want to shoot for the stars, you know, and and that's the classic sort of overachiever profile. Yeah, most of us are that. So among a lot of people I know and and work with, and what I'm saying is, there's nothing wrong with that. But because of the, and I love your word gamification, the gamification of a lot of these systems. You can you can hit that mark, but you're not necessarily going to stay there. And like you said, um, but, but what I want to highlight is the idea, and it ties to your opening remark. For people who have a message that can really help somebody else, I'm reminded of the classic starfish story, the little boy walking down the beach and throwing starfish back in the ocean and there's thousands of these starfish stranded in the sand and an old man walks up and says, you know, little boy, what are you doing? He said, I'm saving the starfish. And he chunks another one in the ocean and picks up one and the old man says, but you're never going to get all of these done. And he said, no, but I got this one. And he, you know, it's, it's the one that he was able to impact and influence and and I think that's something we as leaders in the business world or in life in general who are trying to lead and have a story, that's the way we need to be thinking about it. Who's the one you're going to touch? Right. That, and it'll, it'll probably be more than one. But right, right. We have to, you know, there's a lot of stuff is fake now, you know? I mean, like of the fake bestsellers and, and, and stuff. And I think that we've gotten into this like social proof things where, you know, you have to tell everybody all these great things you're doing and stuff. And, you know, if you write a book and you're reaching people who are in your target audience and you are offering them hope and help, that's the goal. That's the success. And um, you're really the only one who has your story. So you're the only one who can do it. Right. Well, and if I may, I'll add to that thought. I think that's another place where I see people getting a little hung up on being able to come forward and and tell that story. They're too consumed with trying to be like somebody else in their industry or their niche or or their field of expertise. They're trying to shape their brand to be like. I'm going to just drop some names like a Tony Tony Robbins or a Brandon Bouchard or something like that. And uh, what's that? Nobody wants to look alike. Those guys didn't get there by doing that. They they were their authentic self, offering their their way of thinking. And um, yeah, I you're right. And I I think people learn a lot when they go through the process to learn to stand in their own power and their own selves and tell their story their way because nobody like i said nobody wants a copycat you hate that right, so, right. Um, being original means being you because you are original <laughs> Well, Nancy, this has been wonderful, and thank you for jumping in and sharing with us. Uh, tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in in learning your process and maybe even uh, having a chat with you about it. Absolutely. Well, the easiest way is to go to my website. It is thebookprofessor.com. 
across the top navigation, there's a link that says schedule a call with Nancy. And you just schedule that and you pop into my calendar and find the time that works for you. And I want to say, I, I really invite you to do that. I mean, I love talking to people just about their book ideas. I mean, I can help you vet some things out and all. And obviously there's no obligation to your listeners, but um, yeah, I'd love to have those conversations. Wonderful. Wonderful. So the book professor.com. Correct. Very good. And again, folks, this has been Nancy Erickson sitting in with us. And Nancy, thank you one last time for uh, being here. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, with that, folks, we are going to sign off. I do want to remind everybody, as always, if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, we do have a video version on this. And, and you really need to check out Nancy's wall in the background. All of the, I can't even count, there's got to be maybe 30 images just in the frame here that I can see of, of books that her firm has has worked on and uh, clearly a great resource and idea if, um, if if you've got this inspiration to do your own book, check it out and uh, give Nancy a ring. I um, uh, The video version, I, I got off track a little bit. The video version is over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. You can hop over there, click the video archives, see all our episodes. And we've got a lot more coming at you through year end and into the new year. And boy, it's hard to believe we're going to turn a page pretty soon here and be in Q4 already. Yikes, you know, where's the time gone? But um, with that, I'm going to sign off, say goodbye and go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.